just want to say to you this morning, if you ever pass me in the hallway somewhere, or Walmart, and probably Derek as well, and we are cross-eyed, it's because of this thing right here. When we look down at our, at our notes, this thing is right in front of us. So if you ever see us cross-eyed, just know it's because of this thing right here. And you don't know what to do with it. It's necessary. But when your notes are right here, one side of your eye has to read the right side of the page and your left eye has to read it. So you're trying to... So anyway, now that you know one of my pet peeves about this pulpit. One of your pet peeves about this pulpit may be that I'm standing behind it. <laughs> That's okay. God is good. This morning, what a song for the choir to sing as we remember the persecuted church. I hope that when persecution comes here, that will be our anthem, that we will rise. The other option doesn't bear thinking about. This morning, we're going to look at intentional worship and as we have been over these last few weeks, looking at the intentionality of the early church. How do we emulate that? How do we get that back? How do we do that again? And we've looked at many things. But this morning we're going to look at worship. And if somebody were to ask you, how would you define worship? What is worship? How would you respond? Most of us would probably start with how worship is done. That seems to be a big thing for us is to always go, not just about worship, but about anything when we want to talk about it, we start talking about the hows of it. But Jesus was very clear about worship, wasn't he? It wasn't about the how. It was about the why, and behind a great why is a great God, the who of worship. So this morning, I want to concentrate on the why and the who of worship. We call it a worship service. Service is tiring. So my question, I'll ask it a few times throughout this morning's sermon is, do you leave tired after a Sunday morning worship service? Do you leave tired? Well, how can we leave tired? We're sitting in a comfortable place. The air is conditioned to a certain temperature. For some, it's too hot. For some, it's too cold. For the majority, it's, it's okay. Kind of fair to middling. How could we be tired? Because worship doesn't start at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Did you know, if you look at Scripture, corporate worship, church worship, did not start at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning or whatever time and day that would have been for those people. Do you leave tired? We're going to have our preferences to worship. That's fine. 
But that goes back to the how. If we all really understand the why and the who of worship, I think our tolerances of preferences would widen tremendously. Hopefully as time goes on and we learn more about worship, when I say, when we get the whys and we understand the who of we worship, your tolerances for your preferences of how we worship will widen. We'll have people say, yes, amen, that was me. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. And our verses are verses 41 through 45. Actually, through verse 47, excuse me. Acts chapter 2, starting at 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, as we come upon this time and we continue to look at these six very distinct but very intentional efforts to reach people, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, this morning worship, and then later fellowship and prayer, help us to understand that we have to be intentional about all of these things, that we have to make them a part of our life. Indeed, all of these will be our worship to you, both privately and corporately as a local body of believers. Give us grace to hear your word and to respond accordingly. Help us in our weakness to remember and then learn through experience that you are strong. For you are the God of all things. You are the God who by your very presence and your very personhood demands to be worshipped, demands to have all that we are bow before you. And then when we think of all that you have done, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to go away having worshipped you and knowing that we worship because we left changed. In the name of our Savior and Lord, I pray. Amen. We need to remember that as the early believers worshipped, as we just read in Acts chapter 2 again, their worship impacted two different groups of people. Their worship impacted themselves as believers... And their worship impacted all the people around who were not believers but could see what was going on. If you want to, let's call it two realms. The kingdom of God 
on this earth as represented by us, the believers, those with whom Jesus lives in, and us in Him, and then the realm of the world. How did the worship of the early church impact both of these realms? We're going to see a little bit of that. We know that the early believers worshipped in several places. It says that they went to the temple and they worshipped. And it says they gathered in homes. They went from house to house and worshipped. Worship should never be confined to a place. Worship should happen wherever you are. Do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Worship should happen wherever you are. And corporate worship happens when we come together after private worship and private preparation and corporate preparation for worship. You know, we start talking about praising God, pointing our focus on Him. There's nowhere like the Psalms, is there? You've probably heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it again. While all of Scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. The Psalms speak for us. There's no better place to go and to see heart motive and life actions of worship If you have your Bibles and want to turn with me to Psalm 34, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. And after I read that, if you want to put your finger in so you'll be at the ready for the next time, we'll be in Psalm 100. And I'll be closing in, I think, Psalm 103. So Psalm 34, Psalm 100. Psalms 34, 1 through 3 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. So much for 11 a.m. on Sunday morning being when you bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I think David here shows us several really good aspects of worship. Blessing God, praising God, boasting about God, humbling ourselves before God, exalting God, magnifying God. Did you ever hear anything where David is talking about boasting about himself, magnifying himself, praising himself, exalt? No. It is all about God. It's interesting, verses 1 and 2 are very personal, private. I will bless. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast. 
But then what does he say? Magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Do you see the connection that David is giving us? How worship is done. It is done privately, individually, continually. Your life, my life, is to be worship. I want that to sit there for a second. Is your worship service tiring? Because it's full of actions. But then David says, And now let us all come together and exalt the Lord. Make much of Him. Magnify Him together. Corporately. I hope all of you here today are doing that even right now through the way that you open your hearts and listen and respond to His Word. Our private worship has to impact our corporate worship. And our corporate worship has to impact our private worship. Get alone with God daily. And do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Worship God. The call to worship is for God to be magnified, made bigger, enlarged in every aspect of our life. And when He is, we will bless, praise, boast, and exalt the Lord as we humbly bow before Him. You see, God will be magnified. What's your role in that? What's your part in that? Are you doing that? As John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Point one this morning is intentional worship magnifies the Lord in the believer. Intentional worship magnifies the Lord in the believer. As you look at the subject of worship, both in the Old and New Testament, there's two words that will help us in our personal worship, and I think will help us as we worship corporately as well. Preparation and participation. Preparation and participation. In the Old and New Testament, we see how the people did these things. There was prescribed days of worship, yes, for corporate being together. Feast and sacrifices. As the worshipers made their way to Jerusalem, what does the Bible say that they did? Did worship start when everybody showed up in the temple? It's not a trick question. <laughs> no! It says they went up to the temple. They went up to Jerusalem praising God and singing the Psalms together as they approached the place of corporate worship. 
preparation for worship. Does your preparation start before you come in these doors? I hope so. We are to be intentional about our worship. Therefore, we are to be intentional about our preparation to worship. The journey is to be worship and worship preparation. Can worship just happen spontaneously? Yes, and it should. We've all been somewhere and seen that sunrise, that sunset, and said, wow, he did it again. God, you're awesome. That is spontaneous worship, and it should happen, but I will submit to you one thing. Listen carefully. The better you prepare for corporate worship, the more spontaneous worship you'll have because you will see things better. You'll see those spontaneous moments quicker because you are spending more time in preparation. Therefore, you're spending more time focused on Him in making much about Him, thinking of Him, following Him. And those spontaneous moments will just happen. But we desperately need to learn the discipline of intentional pre preparation, the need to prepare. Did you prepare to come this morning? Or did you wake up and show up? That will go a long way to answering the question, when you leave here, were you tired? Preparing ourselves to worship sets into motion the work of the Spirit in our lives. Preparation will set into motion the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Psalms 1 and 22, 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why was he glad? Because Holy Spirit was already working in David's preparation. Trust him in your preparation. Psalm 100, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to go there, is especially helpful. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. The let us, the make, the serve, come, enter. Suggests that we are to be focused on these things and not upon ourselves, but on Him. I must mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually prepare myself to worship the one true God. Y'all, He's big. As a matter of fact, He's ginormous. Are you just going to flippantly go worship that? I'll just show up. 
while all the preparation in the world would never be enough to worship him? Do you just say, well, since that's true, forget it? No. Prepare yourself to worship and you will see more of him. And you will make more of him. And he will become more real in your life. And he will become so real to you in your worship. Prepare intentionally so you may intentionally worship. William Temple said this, To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. Quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to the love of God. To devote the will to the purpose of God. Wow, there's, there's like sermons just in that quote. Feed the mind with the truth of God. Purge the imagination by the beauty of God. Open the heart to the love of God. Devote the will to the purpose of God. That is why we need prep. He is so much. And we need to be in tune with that. Some quick thoughts on preparation. Pray before so that you will be ready to worship within. Read the word before so your heart will be soft when you come inside. Sing or listen to music. Y'all, I don't think Ed has one time ever in his life pulled this choir and orchestra up here and said, now I hope nobody warmed up their voices. Have you ever done that, Ed? No. <laughs> Warm up so you can sing. That's not just for choir members. Warm up so you can rat-a-tat-tat and pluck, pluck, pluck and blow. And that's not just for the orchestra. Some of us, when we sing, sound like rat-a-tat-tat. It's okay. Make a joyful noise to the earth, to the Lord, all ye people. Sing or listen to worship music before so your voice will be ready. Come hungry, willing, expecting God to speak. You ever notice something? How many in here have ever been hungry? Some of you are probably thinking, <laughs> right about now. Hunger causes an expectation within you to eat. Preparation and hunger for worship should cause within you the same kind of expectation to worship. You get hungry in your tummy, it's saying, hey, we've got an expectation of food. Have a hunger for worship, and you'll have an expectation to worship. Intentional worship means I prepare myself to participate, and there's intentional participation. Here's a definition that 
a guy wrote, worship is communion with God in which believers by grace centered their mind's attention and their heart's affection on the Lord himself. Mind and heart. Humbly glorifying God in response to his greatness and his worth. It's really where the word worship comes from. Reverence to worth. Is God worthy? Let me ask it again. Now, it didn't sound real sure. Is God worthy? Then he is worthy of our preparation and our participation. Look again at Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. How many in here made, y'all, made yourself? Goes back to that old story where a scientist looked at God and said, we can do everything you did. And God says, really? Prove it. And the guy says, well, you made Adam out of, out of the dust of the ground, right? And God said, yeah. And the scientist says, well, you see, I've got dust here and I'm going to make a man. And God says, get your own dust. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. That is all about participation. Did you hear the activities? Does worship make you tired? Do you leave tired? Here's the beautiful thing about being tired after worship. You are so refreshed. Worship is so refreshing. Give it your all. Be as tired as you can because you have given it all. And I guarantee you, you will leave refreshed. It's not about watching leaders do the worshiping for you. You must worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My, my soul All of you say, my soul, say it, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It has to be about God in our lives. If worship does not change us, it has not been worship. If you leave here the same as when you came in, you did not worship. Eric, don't tell me that. I didn't. God's word is saying that. We must participate humbly. Y'all, this is the gospel right here. If you're here this morning and you have no idea about anything I've said, hear this. Throughout the scriptures, we as worshipers are instructed to humble ourselves before the living God. It also makes clear that if we will not humble ourselves, we will be humbled. There is coming a day, the scripture is clear, and the Bible says, every knee shall bow, everybody shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. What a moment that's going to be. Everybody. 
Can you imagine that? All who have ever lived. All who are living. All who ever will live. Down before Christ. Confessing that he is Lord. You see, here's the gospel. You can prepare for that moment now. Humble yourself now. Understand the gospel of Christ and His glory. The glory of Christ is above all. He is to be magnified. And He is and He will be before all people to the glory of God the Father. So you can get on your knees now and humble yourself, throw yourself upon the mercy of Christ and His saving death and resurrection for your sins. Or you can wait until that moment and do it and then depart from His presence never to be back there again. That's the gospel. But you will humble yourself. It's going to happen. Participating honorably. Worship says, I find worth in the one I am worshiping. In other words, I honor, I place value. I give high regard to him. Gladness is part of participating. To rejoice, be joyful, praising is a participatory word to give, to seek Him, to give Him worth, to, to say He is the prize. Joyfully shout, speaks to the lifting up of voices in adoration. Bless His name, kneel down and praise. Boast in the Lord, to rave, make a show of Him to celebrate, to commend others to Him. Exalt His name to raise up and lift high. His name, to set it up above all other names. Worship, however it takes place, is to involve the body, the mind, and the soul so that God is magnified in all of our being. We are to prepare and participate on purpose to worship. Intentional worship magnifies the Lord in the, in the unbeliever. Intentional worship magnifies the Lord also before the unbeliever. And that's actually what I want to concentrate on. Intentional worship magnifies the Lord before the unbeliever. You know, not everybody that comes into a church building at the time of worship is a believer. What are they going to see? Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Worship is to magnify God, to make much of Him. Guess who disappears when we do that? We do. When we've talked about evangelism in the past, we, I, I remember Pastor Fred asking this question, how many unbelievers do you know? It's a good question. It's a great question. 
How many unbelievers do you know? Have you ever purposed to have a relationship, to make a friendship with an unbeliever? Great question for evangelism. There's one very similar to that for worship. And I want you to hear this question very carefully. How many unbelievers know you? How many unbelievers know you? As they see you worship within the life's, you know, the issues of life, the struggles of life, losing family members, going through difficult illnesses. How many unbelievers know you and say, there's, there's two possibilities that they're going to walk away from when they see you in life struggles. He's no different than me. Therefore, this God has nothing to offer. Or, I want what he's got. You know, one of the great testimonies I've ever heard is a friend of mine who thought he was a Christian most of his life. Good person. And one day he met a lady he said, I want what she's got, whatever it is. And over time, she led him to the Lord and they got married and are married today and worship God together. There's two responses to this question. Do unbelievers know you? What do they see in your worship as you go through life? It's not the how to worship, but the who to and the why to worship that only impacts our lives as well as those around us. Your worship matters because it is to be visible to the world. The early believers were giving prepared and participatory praise to God. And through it, they had favor in the community around them. And when the community around us favors us, that's a wide open door. And the Lord will add to our congregation. Don't put on a show. I hope we never do that here. Let's worship and leave the results of that up to God. Let him do the convicting and convincing. He does that well. Because intentional worship speaks to the unbeliever as well as the worshiper. There's a lot more that can be said about this, but I'm going to close and we'll leave it for later. I want to read this and then I'm going to close with some scripture and a thought. This is from Bill McCartney. True worship is not just an emotional experience. It reaches to the very depths of our souls and touches every aspect of our being. While it can generate powerful feelings, it also can enlighten our minds, expanding our perspective and understanding of God. It can convict us of sin and lead us to repent. It can confirm a scripture or specific word the Lord may have spoken to us and encourage us to obey. And it can change our hearts and inspire us to reach for new heights of holiness, such as the power of the sincere praise and adoration of our Heavenly Father. 
Such is the power of the sincere praise and adoration of our Heavenly Father. And if you put your thumb in Psalm chapter 103, let me read this in closing and then a thought. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Worship is action. As I've said, look at all those, those ways we are to do that. Praise, to speak, to sing, to shout. But did you hear God's actions? Forgives, heals, redeems, crowns you, satisfies you, renews you. God acts and we are to praise by our own acts of worship. As individuals, with our very lives, and as a congregation here as well as out there. So come, let us worship the living God with intentional preparation and intentional participation, humbling ourselves before Him, honoring Him above all others, magnifying God before our eyes and the eyes of all who see us. Worship the Lord at all times. I want to say this morning that his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Who's with me? Let's pray. Fathers, we come to this point in the service where we start digesting this food from your word. May we be honest with you and with ourselves. May our hearts and our minds be tuned to who you are in this very moment. May we make much of you, even in this song that we're going to sing, in our response at the altar for those that need to come. Father, if there is one here that doesn't know you, draw them. Save them. May they humble themselves now and come before you and say, yes, I want that. In your name we pray. Amen.